Hello and welcome to the Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin, and I'm here because I live in the region, I love the region, I am unabashedly a fan of all there is to do and enjoy here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. So this is the podcast where I'm going to tell you everything about what's going on in Virginia's Blue Ridge. And If you're looking for the names of localities, you may or may not have heard of these. We're talking about the city of Roanoke, the surrounding Roanoke County, the city of Salem, Botetourt, Franklin counties. Collectively, this is known as Virginia's Blue Ridge and it is a beautiful little area, a little nook, if you will, kind of tucked into the Blue Ridge Mountains here in the western part in the state of Virginia. And there is a lot going on here. We have Roanoke is the biggest city in the western half of the state. It's sort of the capital of the western part of the state of Virginia and then the surrounding areas. Uh, and so, uh, but because we're in the mountains, it's absolutely gorgeous here. The Blue Ridge Parkway passes right through the middle of the region. And uh, and then we have all these, because we're a metro area, we have the, a wonderful farmer's market at, in the middle of downtown, and that's surrounded by museums. And uh, we have the Science Museum. We have the Taubman Museum of Art. We have the Virginia Museum of Transportation. And I'm just kind of skimming over the top. but uh, And all these little boutiques uh, and breweries. And I mean, it's just really a lot going on in our little metro area with nice restaurants, uh, everything from expensive steaks to you name it, you can you can find anything you want right here in town and the surrounding regions. But because we're in the mountains, we've also been designated as America's East Coast mountain biking capital. In fact, IMBA, the International Mountain Bike Association, has designated our region as a silver level ride center. So we've got all these trails and you don't have to mountain bike. You can, you can come and, and you can hike. Uh, the Appalachian Trail runs right through the region. But if you do want to if you do want a mountain bike, there's Carvin's Cove, there's Explore Park, there's Mill Mountain right here in the heart of the city and in the surrounding region. There's even more, and I'll put a link in the show notes to to all the different places where you can go and ride your mountain bike. But we do have to kind of I gotta let you know that right off the top, even though we're not going to be talking about biking here today, we're going to be talking about a really cool moonshine distillery that is right here in our region. Uh, but the, the whole mountain biking thing is really taking off and a lot of people are coming here, but you can't ride your bike all day. And what are you going to do when you're not riding your bike? Well, there's all sorts of things. And and I, I am a mountain biker, uh, but I also ride my road bike. I ride a lot on the Blue Ridge Parkway and we have beautiful rural roads here where you can ride and, and it's just, it's really uh, limitless. And there's a lot of gravel riding too, which is sort of an emergency thing. Um, but all of that is on the uh, Visit VBR website, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But there's lots of reasons to come to the Blue Ridge region. I mentioned the museums, the restaurants, the farmers markets, antique stores, and the breweries, wineries, and distilleries. And coming up today, we'll be talking to the folks at Twin Creeks Distillery, and they are making legal moonshine. In fact, um, we have what we call the Cheers Trail here. So this is an app that you're going to get on your phone. Uh, and all you have to do is you sign up and you get something called a mobile passport. And you'll receive simple step-by-step -step instructions on how to use the program. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty easy. You can also text Cheers 
the word cheers to 540-253-4311 and download the passport directly to your mobile device. That's another way to do it. So I'll give you that number one more time, 540-253-4311. Now, once you're registered, You'll then be on your way to immediately start receiving great deals, special offers at our breweries, wineries, uh, the Craft Spirits in Virginia's Blue Ridge. And if you want to get a free T-shirt, which is kind of cool, all you have to do is complete the form when you when you download the passport and then go to five different locations and you will be mailed a free Cheers Trail shirt. But at each individual place that you go, there are freebies and offerings as well. And today, we'll be talking with the people at Twin Creeks Distillery in Franklin County. I'm very excited about this interview because you are going to be hearing from the real deal. I mean, the real deal. And you will not question it once you start hearing Chris Prilliman talk, okay? He talks moonshine and he knows moonshine, even though his full-time job is driving a bulldozer, okay? <laughs> and But he started this distillery in Franklin County, and we'll also hear his daughter, Anna, chiming in from time to time. She helps run the business. So uh, she just graduated from, from App State, so uh, Appalachian State University. So she's, uh, she's, she's helping to run the business, and she knows what she's doing as well. But Franklin County is known as the moonshine capital of the world. And there's a good reason for that. In fact, the movie Lawless, which I think came out in 2012, and it was based on the book The Wettest County in the World by Matt Bondurant. And I read that book back when it first came out. And it's all about the moonshine history and uh, leads up to a particular event between the federal agents and and the Bondurant family, uh, which was producing moonshine in great quantities back in the day. Back, I think this is Prohibition era. Uh, but this was a, this was a big Hollywood production at the time. Major actors, and I think it, you would love to find it on maybe your stream. I don't have any idea which streaming service it's on. Maybe Netflix, but you would enjoy it. Sheila Booth is in the movie. Jessica Chastain. Some some big Hollywood names. And I got to tell you that I know just enough to be dangerous when I talk about Franklin County moonshine. But I lived in Rocky Mount, which is the county seat from 1988 to 2001. Uh, and I've been at more than a few parties where some of the local product was passed around. Okay. And then I also did PR for three years at Ferrum College in the western part of the county near Endicott, where a lot of the moonshine trade was based. And uh, the folks at the Blue Ridge Institute there at the college studied moonshine from an academic perspective. So they could sort of show you the history of the moonshine and how the Scots-Irish people came, and that's what they knew how to do. And the, it was a hard scrabble area agriculturally. Farming didn't was not that good. It was okay, but it wasn't that good. But if these folks wanted to make any money, they were just doing what they knew how to do, which was making moonshine. So all of that comes from the academic perspective. And the, the now retired director of the Institute, Roddy Moore, was a nationally known authority on moonshine. And you'll hear him mention uh, in the interview because um, every year at the famous Blue Ridge Folklife Festival, which the college puts on in October, uh, he would have people come in and they would set up a, a moonshine still with water running through it. I'm pretty sure. And he he would have these former moonshiners come in 
and people would gather around and they would tell stories about how it was back in the day. So, I mean, all of this is part, it's true, and it's part of the Franklin County lore and legend. So if you go and you visit Twin Creeks, you are coming to the tip of the iceberg on what is now a legal product that is based upon all this history. And I'll just tell you one quick story about uh, moonshine, because when I first moved to the region, and this was right before I moved to Rocky Mount, and of course I was reporting on Channel 10, the NBC WSLS station where I still work, I was doing a story on Franklin County because it was having explosive growth uh, around Smith Mountain Lake which is on the eastern part of the county. And then the western part of the county was still kind of this old, sleepy, mountainous, moonshiny area. And and the two cultures at some point uh, were, were going to collide. So you had all these newbies coming to town, and then you had folks that have been here ever since, the, you know, the Scots-Irish settled and were, you know, the people that were uh, in the movie Lawless uh, and their, and their uh, descendants. So I interviewed the then director of the Chamber of Commerce, and I said, you know, how what's going to happen when the western half of the county meets the eastern half of the county and they clash? And she said, well, I don't think that's ever going to be an issue, and, and honestly, it never has, but that's not the point. But she said, you know, John, I have never seen the first jar of moonshine, and I've been living here a long time. And I said, okay. So I put her on the air, and with her saying that... <laughs> She called me and she said the next morning there were five jars of moonshine lined up on her front porch. <laughs> so at that point, she, she got to see some moonshine. So uh, And that, that is a true story. So today, we'll be talking with Chris Perlman of Twin Creeks, who, who got a liquor license. He's producing legal moonshine, and he's very particular about how he does it. You're going to hear him talk about the cheap versions of moonshine that people were producing and the real stuff, which is better, but it couldn't be produced in the quantities needed to fill the demand back in the day. So they started finding shortcuts and they produced a product that wasn't uh, what he would call the best version of corn liquor. And I don't want to get into that because you'll hear him describe it, uh, but he really knows what he's talking about. He's extremely passionate about it, and I know you're going to get caught up in uh, in his discussion of it. So he grew up hanging around with those real moonshiners, and you're going to hear him talk about that. And then his daughter, Anna, will come in occasionally, and she's going to talk about their new tasting room in Rocky Mountain. And they have cocktails that will rival, I will tell you, they will rival those in any bar anywhere. They have outdoor seating. They have precautions for COVID. And in case you're feeling ill, they even have a drink called the Franklin County Flu Shot. So coming up, my interview with Chris and Anna Proleman here on the VBR Podcast. Welcome back to the Visit VBR podcast, and today we are talking moonshine with Chris Proleman of Twin Creeks Distillery in Rocky Mount, Virginia, and he knows a thing or two about moonshine. Chris, welcome to the VBR podcast. Thank you. Glad to be talking to you. Yeah. So, uh, 
Let's go. Let's just jump right in because uh, Franklin County is known as the moonshine capital of the world. And now you're making legal moonshine. So first, how come Franklin County is so well known with that distinction? Well, I reckon if just if people of many years ago, you know, wasn't a whole lot to do around here. And, and that was something they brought with them when they come across the ocean. You know, I mean, the, the auto distilled and uh, a lot of the folks back up in the mountain there, you know, they, they took advantage of the fruits and grains and put them to work the best way they knew how to turn them into a cash crop for their goodies. And, and it's just been handed down and handed down, you know, but it's, it's the, uh, it's, it's done about weeded on out now. All if it's a whole different generation done come in here now and, and it's, it's work for people to go and do and people got ways to travel and, and stuff. And so it ain't like it was back in when it didn't have nothing to do with nowhere to be and no way to go, you know, and they just, uh, I guess they stayed there and used what they had. Well, I, I could tell you the, uh, even back in the eighties, when I lived in Franklin County, there was still a pretty good war going on between the government and the moonshiners. There were busts all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they, they focused a lot on it. It's a big story, and they've and they treat the, the, they treated the bootleggers. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of them had good relationships with the law and everything. You know, the law had their job, and people making the whiskey had their job. But, you know, up in there where I'm from, a lot of the people, it wasn't that much opportunity up in there. You know, I mean, it, it, I mean Rocky, to come to Rocky Mount, it might be a once-a-week thing if you're lucky enough to do that, you know, back up in there where we're from. And it's not that far. I'm just saying it, it just ain't a lot up in there, you know, and no work much. And, and those folks just done what they knew how to do to make their way. And, uh, and, and the whiskey is what it was. And it all, you know, now you, the government will hand you out money if you, if you don't work and can't work and, and uh, all this and that and the other, they'll hand it to you and you can just stay home, watch television and all that stuff. But back then, it was independent people. I mean, you know, and I ain't saying that a lot of folks ain't like that now, but uh, like I said, that was just what they knew and it was a way to make a living and that's what they done in the law. I mean, as far as the government's concerned, they wouldn't even down. They could kill less whether they had anything to eat up or not. But you let them think that they're making a few dollars and here they come and they bring the army with them. You know, that's yeah. about the way it was. Yeah. So then at some point you got the idea, well, let's just get a liquor license and, and do this by the book and and turn it into uh, what you've got today. So how? tell me the, the backstory on that. Well, I thought back like when I was a little boy, I grew up, my daddy was a banker and my granddaddy was a banker, but uh, both of their daddies on both sides was in the whiskey business. And, you know, they, they come up in a time when you had to raise about everything you eat and, and uh, wasn't a lot of ways to get money. And so that, you know, just, it just come natural to them in that part of the up in here. But uh, the way I got so interested in it was I loved old time music. You know, and, and I used to, there's a band called the Dry Hill Draggers up in there from the Dry Hill section of the county. And uh, they just, they was just a good bunch of folks. And my granddad used to have them come down and play music down in the basement, you know. And they, everybody would always have them a little special mix or something other, you know, and have their own little concoction or whatever was good, you know. And people taking them a little drink and sniggling and laughing and playing music and dancing and having the biggest time of it was. And it, I guess you could say it flung a craving on me. I, I liked it. I liked the folks and I loved the music and that was a lifestyle at that time, you know, and, and most all of them had dabbled in a liquor business a little along the way. And so I got to going up in there 
And uh, after my daddy died, when I was 14 years old, I started going up there and staying a lot with Jimmy Boyd. I'd go up there and, and uh, you know, first one thing leads to another, and you meet Jimmy, and then you, you know, get, and I knew a lot of those folks, and I got to spend a lot of time with them. And, and the liquor business wasn't so much at that time, but, it, you know, it was kind of dying down at that time. It, and I guess you could say I caught the tail end of a dying breed of people. It was just so interesting and independent and, and you know, uh, they could do the most with the least of any bunch of folks I've seen in my life. And they just, I, I enjoyed it. And that's how I got to fall in the liquor business. Yeah. Was so the, the interesting what, people. You how difficult was it to convince the ABC board that you wanted to make moonshine and to get a license and to distill this stuff? Well, the I'd been thinking about it, though. Roddy Moore there at Ferrum College, you know, at the BRI, the Blue Ridge. I know, I know Roddy, yeah. Yeah, he, um, he'd get us to come down there, the Dry Hill Draggers, our old-time string band. We'd come down there for the Blue Ridge Folklife Festival. Our band would, and we'd always play, you know. And, and uh, I went on, I was talking about the music thing, I went on to learn to play a few tunes and stuff, you know, and wound up playing with the Dry Hill Draggers. When, and when I was about 16 years old, I started going with them and playing square dances and things, and and Roddy would always get us to come down to the college and play at the folk life festival. And so he got he knew that Jim and all of them had been in the whiskey business and stuff. So he had he asked Jimmy, I think it was somewhere along about 2007, he asked Jimmy would he come down and set up a little demonstration steel at the college and run it and talk to people about the whiskey business. And uh, we were scheduled to play there too. So we just set up and played around a little steel place. I mean, it make you think of, of like you was back in the times of Charlie Poole or something. Only we was running water, wasn't running liquor. But anyway, we was making music and sitting around the studio and firing that thing with wood. And, and people was coming there at the festival. They was coming around there from everywhere. I mean, it was people from all over the country coming to that festival. And man, they was interested in that in that steel of all the things that they could have studied about. And we didn't think that much about it because you have seen and heard about a lot of it here, you know. But it really people were really interested in that stuff, you know, and they was asking all about how it worked and this and that. And, the other. and I seen the interest that people had. And I'd also had that same interest as a boy, you know, and I seen the interest that people had. And I thought, you know, it's so much history here and so much culture that anybody ought to put a product and, and, and that lifestyle and shed some light on that lifestyle that's been here for generations and generations and generations. And it wasn't so much out of, want to it was a lot of out of have to you know it's like i said with the government thing they'll just send you a check now if you want to stay home you can tell them your back out and you can't work and this and that and the other and, and and they'll help you along the way but like i said back in they could kill us that bunch in that mountain starve to death really you know if it, but they find out they're making a few dollars up in there they're gonna send their outfit to come get them hmm. but anyway i want to shed some light on that and, and let people know that that uh, you know, it, it, through the laws, eyes, the newspaper, and everything, it's 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 been a lot of bad attention on that type thing. too. anytime anybody's doing something illegal, you know, it's it's going to be uh, bad publicity on it for sure. Yeah, but right. it's it's a it's a big allure to that too, you know. And uh, well, you know, they make and they would make a big show of it. They'd line up all the uh, the jugs of the moonshine, and then they'd. They didn't go in and just pull the still out of there. They had to dynamite it, and that was a big thing. So they'd blow the oh, stills yeah. up. I mean, I mean, speaking as a television news guy, these were these were irresistible stories. I mean, you got to admit it. 
Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, they made a big headline out of it, you know, and it devastated people's lives. In, in 1999, the federal government came in here and it pretty much shut the liquor business down in this part of the country. They, they treated it like uh, Pablo Escobar had come to town, you know, when it was just people that was doing what they knew and they was making money. But you can look right now and see what's going on in the country and you can figure out who's crooked and who ain't. It ain't no trouble to figure that out. You know, I mean, you just, all you got to do is watching you just a little bit. And it's the biggest clown shows ever been. Not saying nothing against your line of work, but I mean, you you sit and look at the the national news now, and it is a joke. And but yet the government that that you know we're living with would come in here and do the things that they've done to some of the finest people I've ever seen, the most honest, hardworking people that's ever been, and they come in here and do like they did. I just don't see fit in it. I mean, it, it ain't. Uh, wasn't like it was a violent crime or anything. It was just a few dollars. And hell, if the government had got it anyway, they'd have blowed it, mixed it up amongst the sales. <laughs> so right. that's just kind of the way I feel about it. Want, that's the only reason I got into it. I want to shed light on the people. It's a dying breed of people. It really is. And, it, and they, they become what they were because of have to. It wasn't so much want to. And, All right. Well, let's. Let, There's a whole lot of want to in it too, but it was mostly have to back in the old Mostly days. have to. You got you got to put food on the table. You got to keep the lights on in the house. I understand. So now you've got a tasting room right there in Rocky Mount, right? So yeah. people, people, you you sell this legal moonshine, do you, and you serve it in, a, and you sell it in a a mason jar or something that looks like a mason jar, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a deep uh, subject. You get me wound up talking about it, I I, I go on and on because. It's really, it's it's just so deep-rooted. There's so many different angles of it and everything. Right. It's just, you can just go on and on and on about it, you know, and I'll probably talk too much to suit you right here if you get me started in the right. Oh, no, I think I think this is this is all good because it lends to the character of the product, so I, so I love it. Um, but, but, but I do want, because we're talking about tourism here today, we're talking about uh, opportunities for people to to come and do something that is truly genuine and truly unique and very Franklin County and something you can't really get or see anyplace else in the world. And we're talking with Chris Prilliman at Twin Creeks Distillery in Rocky Mount. So Chris, so you got your liquor license and you started a distillery and you're not making, you know, whiskey, you're not making bourbon, you're making corn liquor, right? Yeah, we we got to age product. We're starting to age some product, but it uh, if I live to be a hundred years old, it it if you know at the slow growth that we're having, I mean it's just a really slow growth. This this business is, and it, it takes so much money to to do so little. It's hard to to just jump out there and do big things, you know. And I and, and we're just a little family business, and we can't do so much, but we have got some barrels of product put up that we're coming out with some age stuff. And right. And uh, it, it's a good time thing, but I didn't get into it so much about trying to focus so much on product as I did really the culture and the, and the lifestyle. And I want to put a product with that. And I, and I've got to meet all kind of interesting people, you know, and the stories everywhere about all this and which I knew a lot of folks I grew up around, when I was 15 years old, I was gr- running around with people 60 and 70 years old, you know, and, and I didn't run with the young crowd. I was running with people that, that lived this life, you know, and grew up with people that lived that life and their grandpas and on and on, you know, and, and that's just how I got so interested in it. And I want to share a lot of that stuff with, with the public because I, it, you know, when I was at the college at the Folklife Festival, I seen just how interested people was and, and, uh, 
just running water, you know, and so right, I wanted right. to. And I can tell you a story about when we went to Myrtle Beach, I thought about that thing in 2007 when we done that thing at the college, you know, and, yeah, and then we yeah. went on to do that. We went on to do that every year at the college. Well, after uh, I got a buddy of mine to get an application through the ABC uh, to get the paperwork to look at about getting a license. And I'll tell you that daggone thing, it was, I bet it was two inches thick. You ain't never seen such a stack of papers in all your life. I told my nerves, I said, God, I'll never be able to pull that off. So I just forgot about it. Yeah, and on our three or four years, I think it's in about 2012 or 13, we went on vacation to Myrtle Beach, and we stopped down out to a little place called Palmetto Moonshine that had that road on the side of the building. I said, "Well, dang, I'm gonna go in and see what they got going on in there, you know, see what kind of steel they had, you know. I like all the creative stuff that comes along with distilling, you know. And that's a, that's an interesting thing about these folks around Franklin County." They come up with some of the neatest little outfits you ever seen. You know, somebody might have a little cop outfit, or might have a steam outfit, or might have a row of black pots set up, and it was all just so much creativity. It just just interested me to no end. But uh, when we went in that Palmetto thing, we we went in there and was looking at the uh, products they had. You know, and it was people in our buying looking, buying hats and buying shirts and talking about this and that and the other. And they was there from everywhere. Well, they're gonna give a tour of their little distillery and show the little steel that they started off with and all that. And sure, the thing wasn't much, I mean, not saying nothing against them, but I'm saying it was just a little bitty small outfit. You know, we got in line to see that thing. And uh, it was the fella giving the tour. He had earrings all the way around both ears and ponytail. Just one of the kind of bootleggers I was accustomed to seeing. But anyhow, he asked where everybody was from and, and, uh, People was talking, they was there from Northern Virginia and Pennsylvania and everywhere. And we was plumbing the back of the line. When it got to us, we said Franklin County, you know, when they asked us where we were from, Franklin County, Virginia. And shoot, it was two or three different ones turned around and said, Lord, y'all ought to be giving it to her instead of taking it. And and I thought right then, I said, here we all come from a county with two beautiful lakes. We've got Ferrum College and all the stuff that goes on here. But you mentioned Franklin County. It's going to be, that's where all that luck is made at. If you're away from here, you know, that's just people, that's what they know us for. So uh, I thought about that the rest of the trip. I couldn't get no rest at all. I was sitting studying by it, and I said, daggone, if they pulling that off down here for that little old thing, I know daggone well when I get back to the house, I'm going to start thinking about getting licensed. So I got with the right people to help me figure out about getting all the legal work taken care of because that just ain't my thing. I mean, I'm, uh, I, you know, I did all of the, that end of it just ain't my thing. But I got hooked to the right folks, and we went through all the licenses process and all the waiting time and then when we found out we was going to get licensed we went to building our outfit and and all of that and that, that's how i got started in the legal liquor business right there it, it just it just told me right then that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna do it if i can do it down here in myrtle beach daggone we can do it at the house sure sure so now you're right there in rocky mount right there could be uh the uh, center of franklin county and and you've got a tasting room and you've been open how long now Shoot, I, I don't even know to tell you the truth, but I believe we're 2015 or something. It's been six years since we got our license, and we've been in Rocky Mount of probably a year and eight or nine months. So. Okay. All right. Years. That's that's the voice of Anna, by the way. Uh, if you're just listening to this uh, on audio, and Anna, you you are Chris's daughter, right? Yes. And you and you are, are helping to run this business. Yep, we, uh, we've got a great crew. We're, we're a small crew, but a, a mighty one. I'm just so thankful for, for our group of folks that we've got. Joni and 
Tanner, he's my cousin, and we've got a guy named William, and the whole crew is just incredible. Everybody's got a good, upbeat attitude, yeah. and it just runs right along with, yeah. with the business. Right. Let me ask you guys how COVID has impacted your, your numbers. Has it been bad? Um, well, when it all kicked off, we had the opportunity. Um, the federal government came in and said, DSP's distilled spirit plants can now produce hand sanitizer without any additional permitting. So we said, let's let's figure out how to do this. At least if it's to help our community, we'll be helping somebody. And so um, we went through a lot of hoops and hurdles and found the formulas and, and found what we needed to, to get it together. And we started making hand sanitizer. And so that kind of shed light on us during a difficult time, but it also helped leverage our community folks in our, the area. And so um, the sanitizer really, really, really was a neat opportunity amidst such a hard time. And that kind of kicked things off amidst the COVID pandemic. But people really seem to want to support local, you know, during this time more so than ever. And um, we've seen a huge increase of people coming out to support us and, and all of our fellow neighbors too, which is been super nice to see. We appreciate it so much. Yeah. And are you still doing that? Are you still doing the uh, hand sanitizer? Yep. We still have hand sanitizer. It's slowed up a lot now that um, it's a lot more available. Whereas when it first started, everybody was, was grabbing and it wasn't so easy to find. But um, the uh, ABC has permitted us to do a lot of things. It's helped like the takeout cocktails. We're still able to do takeout cocktails here. Um, the, the sanitizer, uh, we're getting ready to start shipping bottles. That's been kind of a difficult thing to get started, but we're getting ready to ship bottles to the state of Virginia. Um, but as far as folks coming here to visit, the, the takeout cocktails, and we've got outdoor seating now, we're getting ready to get some heaters and um, set up out there. That's been a COVID privilege. And so um, we've made the best of it, and, and folks have really supported us through it. So we appreciate it. We caught that daggone stuff. I'm sorry? I said, we caught that darn COVID. My, my whole family, I had it, my wife and both my kids. You all you all had COVID, really? Yeah, it sure did. I don't know what in the world it got on us at, but it, we sure caught it. But we it uh, we stayed dinged up for about three weeks there and, and got over it. You know, it wasn't, if it hadn't made so much uh, uh, racket about it, we, you know, you just thought you was just sick. I mean, my wife and daughter was sick when we would, but it wasn't. By, by, I get about like it every year, stopped up and stuff, you know, but. Right. Definitely affects people differently, but yeah, affects everybody out differently. With it and glad to have it behind us, but at least we've got a lot of sanitizer to help with that. <laughs> no kidding, got, no kidding. We use it as a disinfectant spray on our hands, on surfaces, and then we got the liquor too. So that's right. internally and externally sanitizing, I guess. So now you guys have opened the door here because you all have a cocktail called the Franklin County Flu Shot. I wonder if, if that helped, and, and what is that? Well, it's corn liquor, lemon juice, and honey, and that's something that that uh, my granny, she's 89, and she talks about that's what her daddy used to give her, you know, when she was a little girl, you know, they'd, they'd have them a little cough or something other, you know, and they'd, they'd mix them up some of that stuff, you know, and, and get them to drink it, and that was their medicine. They couldn't just run to CVS, wasn't none in the country, and so they'd, they'd fix, use what you had, and that's what you had, so... Uh, they just thought it'd be fun to call it the flu shot because that was something that everybody back in the old days used, you know, to work on his on his flu symptoms. It's corn looking, lemon juice, and honey. And it, it's all kind of stuff. People got different things to do with it. All kind of uh, people fix bitters. You know, they put the 
catnip and, and I don't know what all does go in them butters, but I know some old timers that used to fix it, which they did. Now I wish I had all the recipes to all that stuff, but it, it it's a daggone looking jaw full of stuff you ever seen in your life. You'd have ginseng in it, catnip, blood root, everything that you could find out here in the woods, you know, to put in that stuff. And they drink it, take them a little taste of it, rub it on a soil place or whatever. It's, you know, good medicine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, you're not selling that though. Well, no, but I don't know if it's a good medicine. I don't know if it fixed what ails you, bad as it fixed you. I mean, good as it fixed you where you just didn't care for what ails you. <laughs> you stay you in go. something like that long enough, you ain't going to care what's matter way you, really. <laughs> you probably not. It. I guess that's the whole idea. Well, what are some of the other, if somebody's listening to this and they want to, they want to come by, what are some of the other things that you offer either a cocktail there on the premises or something you can take away? Well, we got, uh, I focused on when I, when I got products, you know, uh, the moonshine thing, that word is just so big, but the, the whiskey business that we're in, you know, like I was telling you, when I was young, I was up there around a bunch of folks that really knew the art of craft distilling. And, uh, there's all types of different products. I mean, it's just like corn liquor. When you when you talk about corn liquor, a lot of people have been in the liquor business all their life and don't know what pure corn liquor is because they'll take just say for instance, they mash in a five I mean a fifty gallon barrel, they might take five pounds of cornmeal and throw over in it and put fifty pounds of sugar and call it corn liquor because they put a dust in the cornmeal in it. But if you're making corn liquor, you got to use cornmeal, I mean a bunch of it and leave the sugar behind. You know, make pure corn whiskey and it's all about knowing how to mash and and the temperatures and how to break the starches down into sugars now your grains and make a pure grain corn whiskey or rye whiskey and the same thing with brandy you let the fruit a bag of sugar you got to get that sugars out of that stuff and it makes for a whole lot uh, more i guess you'd say a, more of a quality product not saying nothing against sugar liquor but that's the typical moonshine but everybody if it's clearing in the jaw they're gonna say oh that's moonshine ah, i had that when i was in college well it might have been fear from black pot or something where somebody done run a bunch of sugar whiskey four or five times and rough as it could get but it's just so many different products but yet it's all clearing in a jaw you know jack daniels is is clear but it's the aging process about how they define their product you know, but uh-huh. it's about all look it's gonna come out clear unless you done done something bad wrong. And I was lucky enough to catch uh like I said, the tail end of a dying breed of folks, but one old man that I helped in particular, he done got he was on up my age and and he couldn't get no good luck at all. You know, he done got too uh, old to do much himself and he taught me a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, about about the whiskey business, taught me what his grandpa and his daddy taught him. And it wasn't just about making the moonshine product. They knew how to make pure grain corn whiskey. And uh-huh. didn't, no sugar, didn't no sugar at all go no in there. No sugar. No sugar. Yeah, just pure grain corn whiskey. And then, and then when you when you make that pure grain stuff, if you're lucky enough to get your hands on some sugar, like back in, they was doing good to get a sack of sugar, you know. And, and so they made products to, to fit what they had available. And so they would make what they call a sweet mash, which would be pure corn whiskey. And then if they didn't get no sugar, he said back in the war times, he he said they couldn't get their hands on no sugar, you know. So they used molasses and everything they could find to to uh, sugar their slop back with. But like when you're making pure corn whiskey, you take and uh, mash a pure grain mash, nothing but corn and rye and barley, 
and yeast. And it's all a bunch of temperatures that, like I said, you know, get the starches, turn into sugar and making that. And then when they distill that, they take that, all that grain-based mash after they distill the pure grain, they put it back in a ferment, and then they'll put sugar in it, you know, and that makes for a whole lot better sugar liquor than if you're just making sugar liquor. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, so, so now let's let's keep it on, on focus because if somebody's listening to this, they're probably tuned in because they want to know what they can get from you. So out of everything you just described – what it what is it that you're selling? We selling corn liquor, and then when we that's what I was telling you. When I get wound up telling you about it, I it ain't no telling what I'll I'll prevent you off into telling you. But the corn liquor it don't deserve to be classified as moonshine, you know, because it is a pure grain corn whiskey, and and you make very little. The county wouldn't have been known as the moonshine capital of the world if everybody here had been making pure grain corn liquor because you can work yourself through death and be lucky if you get a spoonful sometimes. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a whole lot of work and very little output. But anyway, we got that, and then we got a sugar liquor too, and we call it first sugar because after we distill the corn mash, we put the sugar back in that spent mash okay. to make our first sugar whiskey, which is okay. a moonshine product because it's made sugar. Got and it. so that's that's two products we got and then we got a rye whiskey that we make and uh it's it's made the old timey way too you know just a pure grain mash and then we got apple brandy peach brandy pear brandy and blackberry brandy okay and so uh the blackberry thing ain't something common around here that's i'm the first and i've known of to make any blackberry brandy okay and i sure didn't go out and pick the blackberries well a fellow wound up giving me a bunch of barrels of blackberry puree and that's how i wound up doing the blackberry brandy but uh that's the products we have so if you're a brandy drinker come on if you're a corn liquor drinker come on see us and if you're a coffee drinker come on we even down got coffee <laughs> <laughs> all right well, folks come in it's either you know some like it straight and some prefer it mixed up and some prefer no alcohol at all they're just coming in for the history sake of things but there's seven different clear spirits and there's a every month we get a new cocktail menu uh, Joni Bowman, the one who runs a taster room here, she comes up with a new cocktail menu every month that complements the spirits well, but it also um, complements the folks that don't necessarily like to drink it straight because it is pretty powerful and it is pretty stout, but um, we always urge folks to at least try some of the straight, but if not, we've got other options too. So, so if, you, like if, if you drink it straight, what proof is it? 90, everything's 90 proof except for the corn liquor. It's 100 proof. So everything's okay. between 90 and 100. Okay. So if it's 100 proof, that's 50% alcohol, right? Isn't that how that works? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Go with you. That'll make you sick you know, really, fast. I was, I was explaining to you how we made it because the old time, I remember, you know, when I was a kid and around, people talk about, oh, we got, I got me some drinking liquor here, you know, talking about drinking liquor. That I've heard the old timers up in here talk about, you know, they got their selling liquor, and then they got their drinking liquor, you know. And uh, you'd hear people talk about that, you know, about this, about the selling liquor and the drinking liquor. And we just happen to be selling drinking liquor. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Anna, tell me more about the cocktails. What what kind of cocktail, what are the names of the cocktails, what's in them, and, and uh, how much do people, uh, how do people sort of decide what they want? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, they change every month. And really dependent on season and and um, a lot of times we use a lot of stuff from the farmers market and local farmers and well like a bloody mary but for instance this month um 
we've got eggnog, of course, and we're getting it from the Homestead Creamery, and we mix it with our brandy. That's really a thing around here is eggnog and brandy. Um, and we've also, I'm sorry, I'm not super familiar. We just got the new menu last week. We've got a Indian peach fizz, which is the sugar liquor with Indian peaches soaked in it. So that's kind of a traditional thing too. Um, and then we've got sweet, sour, a little bit of everything. Um, but my favorite is the mule, which is corn and it's kind of medicinal too. It's really similar to the flu shot, corn and honey and ginger beer and it's just all different types of flavors to suit different folks, but sweet, sour, all kinds of different stuff. But so, like yeah, I said, these tempers just brings a seasonal cocktail menu, I should say, like the eggnog and um, the, the other one's a candy cane. I was trying oh, to nice. think of that I forgot about, but right. it's creamy and I can't remember what all's in that, but um, Joni Bowman, she's a master on that, but th they're a lot of fun. I'll bet they are. So now if I, if I want some Twin Creeks, liquor do i have to come to you to buy it can you buy it in a liquor store and you know how, how do i access this product yeah absolutely the the sugar liquor which is the first sugar moonshine is what it says on the label and the peach brandy is available in abc stores um the sugar liquor is in most throughout the state of virginia and the brandy is in 30 stores but if if that's not an option for folks then you can get on our website and soon order um, but this is just for the state of Virginia. Virginians can get on and order spirits and have it shipped directly to them. And then the third option is, of course, coming to see us. But um, Virginia ABC stores um, starting to ship soon. And then, of course, we'd love for folks to come see us. But um, those are the ways to come get it. And the takeout cocktails, they've really been a huge thing. So if folks are near and out and about, you can get any of the cocktails to go with you, take it home. So right, and if I come to see you, what what do I see? Can I see the still? I mean, what what is your what does your facility look like right there? Yep, you know, we've got a little copper submarine type still here set up for folks to see the traditional way of doing things. It's about a two hundred gallon copper submarine type still, and it was one of Dad's buddies. He may want to talk more on it, but we've got one of those set up in the back, and occasionally we run it. For folks to see but um yeah we've got a little bit of everything it's a quaint space it's almost like a, a small hallway or a speakeasy saloon it, it's small but uh it works it gets the job done we have a lot of fun but we've got the steel and we've got a lot of local goods too which is a lot of fun our community folks we've got coffee and chapsticks and all kinds of crazy stuff from our from our local folks so that's a lot of fun too aside from the spirits and the cocktails it's a big time it really is I you get to meet all kind of people. I, I'm in a bulldozing business is my livelihood, but this right here just it's just a big time thing that we ventured out in. We'll just see where it goes. <laughs> We've been having fun though, Eddie. So you so, so you're you're basically an earth mover. That's your that's your main job. Yeah, that's what I do. Uh, you know, I'm in the excavating business, and and uh, I've I've done that ever since I was young. My uncle was into it, and and I kind of. We got into it too when I was about 20 years old, wound up buying machines and stuff. And so that's what I do now for my livelihood. And all these, uh, I mean, I make it liquor, you know, but that, uh, that ain't a full time job. We do enough to, to keep it, to keep stocked up on what we do. And that's about, about all we do on that. But I mean, you know, keep enough to keep us going. But if we demand grows like it's been a growing, you know, we like, I like to have to park that tractor and get off and go to staring a little more. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Anna or Chris, is there anything else you want to add uh, about uh, the the products or or uh, 
uh, or, or anything. It's, this has been an amazing story. Um, but I just want to make sure that anybody who's listening to this has the opportunity to come see it and partake. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I like to, I probably, I'm kind of, uh, jump all over the place to get you talking because I'll, I'll say something that'll lead me into something else, you know, and then I'm, I ain't all that good. I reckon at interviews, but anyway, I told you what I thought that y'all know Falls product, but one thing that I'd like to tell you about this old man that I was telling y'all, he actually owned this little copper steel that we got in it. It was one that he made his drinking look in. It's a little copper submarine steel. And uh, they used to mash boxes, you know, and they'd make pure grain stuff and then chug it back and make it sugar looker. But uh, I was telling you back, like in war times, he helped his grandpa. And uh, he was talking about, he told me, he said, they couldn't get no sugar. He said, you're doing good, get enough sugar to put in your coffee, much less enough to make me liquor with, you know. And he said, he said, my grandpa taught him how to sour mash. And what they do, we ain't got a sour mash product, but I helped him do that a time or two. And you talking about some work. Now, that was definitely some work. But what they'd do is they would run that sweet mash, which is a pure grain corn, and instead of putting sugar back in it, they would take new grain and mash back new grain with that old slop and and that and let it sour up and that's how they make a sour mash product. And that's a product that I wanna make the old timey way the way he showed me, because it was a product that he learned to make out of half to, like I was telling you earlier. You know, they, they couldn't get their hands on sugar and they couldn't right. afford to waste that good slop so they would mash back new grain. And it was it's really a a flavorful product. So I hope that I can come out with that some of these days so people can get a taste of, of some of that. that how, was how does sour mash, how, yeah, how does that taste compared to the, the non-sour mash, the regular liquor? Well, they call a sweet mash a sweet mash because it's got kind of a sweet flavor. But the sour mash, you let that dough sour up after you, you take your slop, your spent mash out of your sweet mash, which has not had any sugar at all. It's a pure grain mash and distilled alcohol off of it. And then you take that slop See, like when you're mashing a sweet mash, you use fresh water to mash that sweet mash. All right. When you're mashing a sour mash, you take that spent mash, which is boiling hot, and you scald back in new grain with that old mash. And you let it sit there for about 24 hours and sour up. And it's a whole process you got to go through, which Jack Daniels and all them make sour mash look a too. Do. But yeah. it's totally different than, than what that they done up in here you know and, and and they done they they had plenty of grain because everybody was growing grain and little little meals on every corner you know for people you know to get to fly a meal and stuff and so they had access to plenty of grain but like i said they didn't have no sugar so it's the guy's name was edgar lee booth he was a great which is it's mountain full of great people spending the whiskey business he just happened to be one that taught me a lot and uh he taught me about that sire mash and he told me he said if you're gonna be in this business boy he said, you do what you know how to do. He said, you make it like it's supposed to be made in the way I'm showing you right here. And he said, stick to it and make a good product that don't make none at all. And so I'm trying to stick to the old timey ways. But like I said, the yield is very small when you're dealing with this type of product. So, you know, it, it'd be hard if it, if we were to hit a big uh, sales boom or something, it wouldn't take much for me to run out of product, you know, on it with, you know, no more than you get out of making this, this type of product, some of our product, no sugar look, you can just roll the look with it. But when you're making that type of product, like I'm talking about it, you know, it's just ain't very much yield. Therefore it makes it a little more expensive, but well, folks, there you go. It's kind of like, it's kind of like raw oysters. You either got a, a love for them or a hate for them. You know, that's kind of like corn look. You either absolutely love it or you absolutely don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. 
Anna, anything else you want to say to uh, tourists that might want to come by and visit? Well, it sounds like from dad, he's got his sights on maybe a new product. So that's kind of exciting. But um, we urge folks to get out and come down if they can. And if they can't, um, follow us online because that's always fun, too. Um, and the Virginia's Blue Ridge Cheers Trail is a great way to, to follow us, too. And you can get a free shot glass if you come in and you're following the trail. So that's really neat for, for tourists coming into the Blue Ridge. Um, but we appreciate all the support from not just our folks around here, but the folks coming here. Uh, to see what we've got and to see just everything. We, we really appreciate the support, especially through the times like this and the COVID times. So uh, I don't think so. I, I just urge folks to come out and see us if they can. Oh, that's awesome. So if I come in and I've got the Blue Ridge Cheers Trail app on my phone, I just show it to you and that's how I get my free shot glass? Yep, yep, that, that is. There's a code, um, but we've got all that stuff here, and, and we'll get your free shot glass if you come in and you're following the Cheers Trail here in the Blue Ridge. You but, come on down here to see us, man, you'll have us a little mix one evening. Yeah, no, I think we're, we're going to make that happen. To, if you come down here before you go to telling the news, it ain't no telling what you liable to tell them. But <laughs> might, might be the last time that I uh, tell the news if, if I was to come down and see you first. <laughs> Wait till right. you get the news told and come on down. Uh-huh. You'd, you'd enjoy that newscast, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks All for right. having us on. We really appreciate it. Sure. Well, thanks for coming on the, the podcast, and uh, and we'll we'll send people your way. So thanks to Chris and Anna for joining me here on episode nine of the Visit VBR podcast. I'll have a link to their website in the show notes. We'll also toss in a link to the movie Lawless. We'll get you connected with the Cheers Trail as well. And if you're looking for the ultimate guide of what's going on, whether it's the holidays or the rest of the year, you need to check out visitvbr.com where uh, we have millions of, of uh, well, I don't know about millions, but we, we have so many unique visitors coming to look and see what's going on in Virginia's Blue Ridge. So there's blogs, there's maps for cycling, hikes to waterfalls, lists of restaurants, museums, and the Cheers Trail. And every business on the Cheers Trail has a special offering when you come by, like the free shot glass you heard mentioned at Twin Creeks. And also, if you come here and do something fun, like maybe go on the Cheers Trail, we have a campaign called be a trail setter. So take a selfie, take a picture of you and your family doing something fun, and then post it with the hashtag trail setter. Thanks again to Anna and Chris for joining me here on the Visit VBR podcast. We'll have another podcast coming out soon, and I hope to see you here in Virginia's Blue Ridge. <music>